Well, hey everybody, welcome to the Mongols Preview Show. I am Justin Ashcraft with you uh, this week. Uh, we are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, US Soccer. As always, uh, we're also sponsored by Icarus FC and part of the Beautiful Game Network. I have two people here with me today. First of all, my co-host, Steve, how are you? I'm doing well, Justin. Uh, you know, hey, it has been a few weeks since we've done this, so it's fun to get on and talk soccer. Uh, talk about the hounds although i don't know what there is to say other than that they're freaking awesome lately um they yeah, are and 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 meet our guest today they are good hey i i'm sorry yes we it has been a few weeks we steve was out a week and then i was out a week uh feeling a little bit under the weather so it is good to be back in a preview show rhythm so we're glad to be back and the second person i have to introduce is uh former hounds goalkeeper and goalkeeper coach hunter gilstrap is with us today What's going on, guys? Good Hunter, to have you. Glad that you uh, joined us today. And, uh, yeah. So let's, uh, let's jump right into it. Hunter, um, maybe you can just remind kind of our, our listeners of kind of your soccer history and, and kind of where you've played. You've played several places in USL, and I know you went to college at Clemson, so I know that's important to you too. So can you just kind of remind us of your soccer history? Okay. Um, not sure anybody's interested in hearing any more about a, some blast from the past, but um, I, I grew up in South Carolina. I split my college career between uh, Clemson University and the College of Charleston, even though it, was, it wasn't much of a split. I, I graduated from Clemson, was there for all four years, and then did one semester at the College of Charleston. Um, my last couple of years at Clemson, I split time between another guy that ended up going to be a pro and I uh, thought I'd have a better chance to be a, to be a pro myself. I had a, sort of an out-and-out season being a number one, so I went to the College of Charleston to do that after I graduated. Had a great experience there, left Clemson on good terms. Um, there actually, believe it or not, used to be a USL draft, which sounds um, insane now if you think about it. And, but uh, I was drafted back then by Miami FC, who has been around in a couple different iterations, and now are back in the USL again uh, championship. Um, played there for one year, got to play with Romario, uh, which for those of you that are a little bit older than um, maybe maybe sort of that elder millennial and older Romario is the world football player, the world football of the year in the 94 World Cup. Then went on to uh, the Cleveland City Stars for um, three, well, two seasons, playing in South Africa in the, in the Premier Soccer League over there, and then came back and did one year with Cleveland in 2009. Um, 2010, went in MLS preseason camp with Toronto FC. Thought that was going to be my big break. Got dropped at the last minute. Didn't really have many options at that point because it was late in preseason. I used to continue to trial in Charleston where I thought that I'd eventually get a contract or take offer I had on the table at Pittsburgh. I didn't really want to take the offer in Pittsburgh because at the time they, they didn't have the best reputation. They honestly, I felt like I might not be, you know, going to a place that would, and this was 2010. So flashback to everybody listening probably didn't even know that hounds were around then. And we played at Chartier Valley high school. It's a very, very different Pittsburgh river hounds. Um, I, you know, I wasn't thrilled about it, but I, I didn't want to sit around. I took the offer. Ended up being an amazing, amazing ride. Um, getting to play for Justin Evans in his first year as head coach. We were actually really good. Um, we lost in the, in the semifinals and I was able to win goalkeeper of the year. I had a great year personally, but again, I had this vision that I was going to get another break in MLS and get out of there quick. Um, that didn't end up being the story. I ended up staying in Pittsburgh, um, through the 2014 season, uh, kind of started feeling like I was ready, getting ready to retire. I uh, wanted to get back closer to where I grew up. And so I went and played one season with the Carolina Railhawks, which is now North Carolina FC in 2015. Uh, intending to retire after that season and then got talked into um, my plan was to come back to Pittsburgh and start, you know, d doing the youth stuff that, that I was kind of doing the whole time before that, uh, which is what I do now running all the youth goalkeeper programs for the rounds, but uh, got kind of talked by the then head coach, uh, Mark Steffens into playing one more year in 2016, which was an interesting year. And the cool thing about that year was I uh, got to be teammates with Zach Steffen, uh, who everybody knows now and not even now I think don't even think a lot of our 
fans realized that he played for the Hounds for sort of the last 10 games of that season. And so that was a super cool experience for me getting to end on that note and um, then transitioned into being the goalkeeper coach for uh, three years and then kind of left about a year ago to kind of take a take, take more, more of a family centered approach where I had, you know, finally was able to, we now have two young kids that we adopted and wanted to be able to spend weekends with them and night more nights with them. And um, so because of that got out of soccer sort of my full-time gig and now work in industrial sales, uh, industrial equipment sales, um, which I've been doing almost exactly a year, which is crazy to think about because I still feel like I know nothing about it. Um, but you know, it's fun and, and I, I'm still very heavily involved. I run all the goalkeeping uh, programs for the Rounds Academy and still very close to, uh, you know, sort of what's going on with the pro team and keep my uh, ear to that and pay attention to that. And um, so that's, that's kind of it. You know, I, I meant to make that like two minutes and it was like seven. So sorry. No, no, that's good. One thing I just in your coaching career that I that you didn't mention there that I have always found interesting about you was you got a chance to one summer winter something go coach at the U14 uh, like the U14 team for the US men can you tell us a little bit just about that experience yeah, so uh, Mike Bahonic, this is, I mean, everything's so connected. Mike Bahonic is the goalkeeper coach for University of Pittsburgh, and he's actually now sort of serving as interim goalkeeper coach for the for the Hounds Pro team since the uh, uh, most recent goalkeeper coach we had there um, for family reasons had to go back. His, his, his wife was in Chicago, and he was here, and COVID and all that kind of craziness happened, so decided to go back there. So Mike Bahonic stepped in, and he's, he's training the goalkeepers now on top of his workload for Pitt. Um, but he and I have been close for a number of years and he's very well connected in, in, you know, the whole soccer landscape. And he kind of helped me get my foot in the door, um, with the, with the youth national teams. Um, and so I was able to go do that camp in 2014 or sorry, 2017 work with the U14 boys. It's a really cool experience. It was kind of, you know, I'd always had the goal of wanting to be a national team goalkeeper and that never really happened. So as my career sort of was starting to change more towards coaching and then kind of had that goal of wanting to get involved with national teams. And so I got to do that. I got another off, offer to go the next year um, with the under 17 boys to their, the international tournament in Czech Republic. I think they actually have won that tournament. Um, had to pass on that though, unfortunately, because that was for two reasons. One, because uh, that was, we were heading into our first adoption sort of, the hot and heavy time where that was getting kind of close and we didn't exactly know how that was all going to go. And I was heavily involved in um, under Bob Lilly. Bob Lilly had a little different approach to the way his, he wanted his staff to approach things. And um, Dave Brandt did. Dave Brandt was the pro team head coach when I went and did the camp before. And his approach was more like great opportunity to go. Bob's, Bob's serious at all went on. In, in your world, when you're in Bob's staff, that's the priority. And so, you know, not as much opportunity to go and do extracurricular activities. So, um, you know, I think there'd probably be a lot more opportunity there if I, if, if I, if that was the path I wanted to stick with. But, you know, again, for me, that was like a, it was at Nike's world headquarters out in Portland, which I'd been to one other time before, but I mean, really, really kind of cool opportunity. You got to work with some really talented keepers who are funny enough, like all right now, high school seniors, going off getting ready to play in college and they're they're all got really bright futures and kind of being able to track those guys and um you know that's that's what it's all about those are the, the kind of the perks that i feel like if you do this long enough and are you know nice to enough people some doors can open up so i'm always surprised just about the the people that you have like that you post on instagram and stuff these these keepers that you know from around the country so i'm always i'm always impressed by that but yeah you're well connected it's, it's just such a small world. I mean, it's, it, it seems like that from, but like, I don't know, you just touch so many different in one way or another, even if, the, you know, I, I don't have a lot of experience at the MLS level, but just kind of the, the inner, the way the USL and the MLS kind of work together now, I've gotten to know a lot of those guys too. And, you know, it's, it's just a really, it's cool. It's what, it's what makes it fun. And, you know, fortunately there is like, big political side to all that kind of stuff but there's also not you know what I mean that's also kind of hyped up and it's still also just about 
connections and relationships and mm-hmm. and you know that's what I love about it so hunter i mean so it's been a long time since I've actually like been on a field playing soccer competitively. <laughs> yeah, uh, me too. We're, we're not going to go into how long that's been, but it was high school for me. Um, and okay. I never played goalkeeper. Um, okay. So, and I, I assume a lot of our fans are in a similar position where like maybe they played at some point, whatever level that was. Um, but not many necessarily were goalkeepers. So help yeah. us and help our fans understand from, uh, having played goalkeeper uh, through college into the professional ranks and been a goalkeeping coach. uh, What are the top maybe three things that you look for in a quality goalkeeper that you don't think the average fan might be paying attention to? Oh man, Uh, this is hard because it's, it's hard to like communicate this stuff in, in that sort of way because it almost has nothing to do with like the physical tools. I mean, it does. There's, there's like a, a baseline, sort of, you know, athletic, athletic, base level of athleticism. And there is a a sort of a height issue, but, you know, there's always exceptions. Even if you look at the Hounds goalkeepers this year, I think they're all kind of on the shorter side when it comes to the pro goalkeeper height spectrum. Uh, You know, so there's obviously the physical component. Um, What's really challenging, I think, even with, you know, a lot of soccer coaches that don't have a, a very high level goalkeeping, well, that's not the right way to put it, but don't have a, you know, goalkeeping, I don't know, some, some team coaches will say, I don't get goalkeepers, you do it, you tell me what we're looking for. Some will own it completely and say, I know exactly what I like and what I'm looking for, and then you've got everything in between. What I really like about the way that Bob Lilly handles signing players and goalkeepers is he signs very few players if if not zero players like side unseen when you're when you're just bringing in like college guys and taking looks at them it's really easy very quickly to tell the ones that won't be able to do it whereas your average soccer fan might have followed that goalkeeper all through college and think they're fantastic um and it's very very kind of difficult maybe to the untrained eye to be able to tell the difference that was a great question, Steve. I think one of the things that kind of transitions into kind of what we're looking for or like what you're doing now, um, you over the last couple of months, you've started a podcast and are kind of trying to share some goalkeeper wisdom more broadly than, than the players you're coaching. Can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of what you're working on there? Maybe like a month, five weeks ago, uh, my boss for my other, for my day job has me, you know, he's, it's, our company's kind of aging and it's a small company, small family business. Um, and he's, he's a smart guy. He's a smart business owner. And he's trying to sort of use me as kind of the youngest guy there, believe it or not, the front of this sort of world, digital marketing and social media and, and all that kind of stuff. And believe it or not, that's always stuff that I've kind of been resistant to. I'm, I'm kind of more of a private person and I, you know, kind of, have those things have always had those things more as a way to watch and listen than as a way to like put stuff out there. Um, but I kind of had this, you know, through, through paying attention to these other podcasts, specifically uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, all of a sudden sort of came onto this realization that, uh, you know, I, I feel like I do have a lot of valuable knowledge is certainly not being wasted on the kids that I work with every week, but you know, there's, there's a lot out there, a lot of athletes and goalkeepers specifically out there that don't have access to, you know, to the stuff that we're able to give to our Academy kids, whether that's financially or whether it's geographically or, or, or whatever it is, and maybe, you know, in another country. Um, and you couple that with, with what you see on social media and the internet these days from a goalkeeping perspective is just very much like in product. It's the, it's the hard stuff. It's the fancy stuff. It's the stuff that, you know, if every goal, youth goalkeeper and only learns how to do that stuff, they're missing all of the basics that are going to allow them to be successful. And there's very little of that out there. So, so the idea was just, you know, what can I do to, to try to fill that space, that sort of space that is teach the way that I teach the position, I teach it in a very simple basic way probably more so than most people would expect um 
So just trying to communicate those ideas and put all that out there through, I mean, podcast is part of it through, you know, video um, on my social media accounts and YouTube and, and, you know, trying to make it very accessible, completely free. Um, just, just to try to help maybe that one goalkeeper. If we reach that one goalkeeper out there that wouldn't have maybe the table to get an opportunity, they maybe wouldn't have been able to otherwise because they picked up something that one thing that we're putting out there that, that helps a little bit, then, then that's awesome. And it, you know, if anything, it's, it's, it's not a take away from what I, what I do with the river hounds. If anything, I think it's actually, it's only benefiting that, that environment and what we do in the river hounds that much more, you know, because it is showing, you know, that uh, we have a very quality product and that just happens to be sort of two different things. You know what I mean? So, uh, I'm excited about it. I'm proud of it. It's, it's something that's really kind of fueled my fire, uh, and everything else that I'm doing from, you know, working to being a husband and a dad to, you know, re relationships, uh, it's given me a lot more energy and, you know, also trying to make sure it's not taking away from those things because it can be, can become a little bit of a distraction when you're trying to put all this content out there. So, you know, production value is not high. It's just what I can do in, in my spare time and, you know, trying to make the, the content and the passion, the priority or, and not necessarily, you know, the video production or, you know, audio quality, that sort of thing. So we'll see what happens. It's fun so far. Yeah, I, I think it's been a little bit helpful. I've yeah, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed even from a casual fan perspective watching some of the stuff you put out and just I think uh, you know the other day you posted a video just about like uh, some one on one situations and and what those keepers did well in that situation and and a lot of us can look at the dive or the or the kick save or whatever that they made in, yeah. in, in, in those situations. But it's like you, you kind of mentioned how they set up and, and what they did to cut the angle down and all that kind of stuff that made it that much harder in the striker or set themselves up in a good position to make what could be a hard save and easier save and, and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it, it made sense to me as someone who, you know, uh, played a little bit of goalkeeper in middle school. Um, yeah. But like, you know, <laughs> trying to, trying to watch games now and, and, and it gives me a different perspective on what, what to watch for in the keeper world. So um, can you give us a little bit of where to just find all of that content uh, if anybody's yeah. interested in finding it? Yeah, so it's all through my personal account. So um, my uh, my handle on Instagram, TikTok, goofily, funnily enough, um, and Twitter is all Hunt Gilstrap, H-U-N-T Gilstrap, G-I-L-S-T-R-E-P. And then uh, my Facebook account, it kind of goes through Facebook secondarily. I don't post Facebook-specific content. Uh, it's just my name, Hunter Gilstrap. And then uh, my YouTube channel, you just search my name, Hunter Gilstrap, and then you find all that on there. The podcast itself is called GK4 Free. That's GK, the letter four, free. And you can just search that on any, any podcast app should should be able to find it we've got um five episodes up and one of the one of which was with one of my buddies uh, who's the has been the starting goalkeeper for the montreal impact evan bush uh, only this year he's kind of been on the bench and we've got to talk about that and his frustrations and stuff so we're gonna have some other guests on there that should be uh you know pretty cool from pe people i know and people that i think have um you know can help out kind of what we're trying to do as well mm -hmm. Cool. Well, go go check that out. Yeah, if you're if you're interested in goalkeeper stuff at all, and and kind of learning the position a little bit better and all that kind of stuff, you got a goalkeeper in the house who, who's trying to learn the position or all that kind of stuff. Like, go definitely go check uh, Hunter's content out. I think it I think it is great content. So uh, let's let's turn a little bit. I guess this conversation. Let's turn a little bit towards um, the game this weekend and and even what's happening in USL um, right now. So. Um, I, I, one of the things that's been mentioned a ton on kind of the Hounds broadcast over the year is this clean sheet percentage. Um, and I, I just want to ask you about it, Hunter. I, I, right now, at this moment, over the last three years, so Bob Lilly's tenure with the Hounds, we are sitting at 42 and 84, or 42 games out of 84 games. Uh, we've, we've held a clean sheet against the opponents. Um, that is league That is league play only, so yeah. – and end playoffs um what's the like 
and, and Steve, you can obviously add into this what you see as well, but like, what do you see as kind of the, how does Bob get that success? I mean, that's 10 points better than anybody who's actively in the league, you know, Nashville's yeah. close, but they're not active in the USL. So I mean, it's 10% points better than anybody else in the league. So what do you see as kind of Bob's success and how he gets these clean sheets? I mean, because some of that comes down to the goalkeepers, but. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's insane, but not at all surprising. And I'd go as far as to say if you if you took Bob's, just Bob's teams throughout his career and, and analyzed that stat, I'd bet it'd be right in line. And I would, I'd also go as far as to say that that's probably the highest of any coach in U.S. soccer history um, off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. So there's no secret that it's Bob, right? It's 100% it's Bob. Um, you know, he's done it with different goalkeepers every year. He's done it with different mm-hmm. goalkeeper coaches. You know, there have been three goalkeeper coaches in here already since, uh, since he's come in. Um, so he creates an environment where I won't lie. It's very challenging. It's hard. It's a stressful um, environment for the goalkeeper. It's, it's more so in the beginning. Is it stressful for him until he's kind of, but he puts so much expectation on, on the goalkeeper and what their roles and responsibilities are that they don't really have, they don't really have the choices and the options to not make certain plays that every other goalkeeper every else where else in the world has. So basically if to give you an example, if it's training and a, and a cross comes in and it's within six yards, seven, eight yards of your goal line and you choose not to go for that ball, then stop, the session's going to stop. You're going to hear about it. Everyone else on the team's going to hear about it and it might take a little while. And, and you know, that goes for, goals that maybe you didn't save where he thinks you should have, they should have been able to save them and, and you name it. So, um, and there's that expectation as well, not only on the goalkeepers, but also on the goalkeeper coach, right? That they, that the goalkeeper coach is holding the, the goalkeepers, the same level of accountability that Bob does. And I, I've been in a lot of different pro and college environments and that level of accountability and intensity um, and responsibility that's put onto the goalkeepers. I've never seen anything remotely close to it anywhere that I've ever been. And it, and it's challenging. Um, it's not easy for them, uh, but you get a level of performance out of them that, you know, I've never seen consistently out of goalkeepers anywhere else. And it was so, for me, it was so valuable getting to be in that environment and just kind of learn his approach. Because, listen, I think everyone else out there is feels too sorry for goalkeepers that they have to get scored on and that they have all these hard situations. That, and because of that, they just kind of give them sort of this carte blanche, like you figure it out and, ah, oh, if you mess that up, okay, whatever. Like you didn't want to go for that cross, um, that's fine. Like you're dealing with enough crap. It's not like that with Bob. And, and – you come here and you play with him for a year or two or three or four as a goalkeeper. And during those years, you will show more growth and improvement in your game than any other point in your career to the point where like you look at Kyle Morton this year, you look at the level of success that he's having on a very average St. Louis team, uh, you know, and, and you look at a guy like Tomas Gomez, who's come back to play for Bob again in, in an environment where he, he know, he's dealt with Bob before. He knows it's going to be challenging, but he wants to come back here. You know, so it speaks to the value that these guys see in 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 his, you know, challenging approach. And he, if you ask Bob about it, he'd probably say it wasn't it wasn't challenging. It's just these guys just, you know, they just got to deal with it. So, um, but it's just the way that Bob is, and that's not even just the way his goalkeepers way is with everyone. And that's why he's able to get the level of performance out of his players that he is. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. I think there's a level of like, it also, uh, I think it also, um, there's a level of uh, like when you, when you, when you talk about the NFL and you talk about kind of football teams, a lot of times um, you can get into this language of um, quarterback friendly or like the the teams tend to be like quarterback friendly. I almost like, yes, you know, what you're saying about Bob's level of expectation is totally true. But when you, when you're holding everybody else to that and you're holding defenders to like, you're making the wrong Mm -hmm. step and all that kind of stuff 
sometimes in games, like and I think we saw this against Red Bull last weekend uh, or two weekends ago, um, you know, not giving them a shot the entire game. They get one in the 80, 90 plus minute from 50 uh. yards away. I think like all of a sudden that becomes a lot, you know, Vitellio is standing there doing nothing the entire game and then, you know, and never has anything to do. Uh, but it's like you, you when it, when you hold everybody that same level of expectation, then you can get those games where mm-hmm. there's nothing for the goalkeeper to even do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they get to the point in the year, the, Bob's teams get to this point near you know halfway through the year or the end of the year, where if they're where if it's going right and they're really starting to click, like good luck if you're the other team. So, so that that's all been it's been really interesting to hear your perspective hunter um i've got a couple of like rapid fire just like first answer that comes to your your mind questions for you uh so we'll start with like okay active usl goalkeepers who do you think is the best right now kyle ward okay uh mls goalkeepers Uh, that's hard I haven't watched many games in the last probably six weeks. Um, I can't answer honestly. I can't. I can't right. give an intelligent answer. All right, you're 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 one that you would put up there in in a normal like like who sticks out to you? Top one or two, three, five, however many. Like like who do you really like in MLS? Uh, Matt Turner. Okay. Uh, From New England, young guy, young guy who's really coming up. Mm-hmm. Yep, he was he was a good fantasy pick a couple seasons ago as a backup keeper. Um, uh, best all time U.S. national team keeper. Ooh, <laughs> I think you have to say Tim Howard because he was certainly the longest and had the most impression. But um, Tony Miola was my favorite. All right, all right, all right. I'm a big Casey Keller fan overall. Um, uh, best, uh, your, your favorite uh, international keeper of all time? Peter Schmeichel. Okay. Uh, best keeper in Europe right now? Um, no block. All right. All right. That's a good oh. shout. Um, any young keepers in the world that you think uh, have the potential to really be a star? I mean, there's a lot of them that already are. I feel like, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you're already at that level, you're kind of already a star. But uh, I'm really interested to see what happens with uh, in, in, with Chelsea's keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big Chelsea Spain, fan, so it'll uh... – the, fu- the future of Spanish goalkeeper, I don't know. I, I, he's just yeah. – I just don't think he's there yet. But, I, you know, he has potential to be something. Yep, That's for yep. sure. I, I, I like that shout because as a big Chelsea fan, I'm real interested to see what will happen. It looks like today the announcements are coming fast that Mendy is going to get signed. So there's going to be some competition for Kepa. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to watch over the, yeah. the rest of the season. So, all right, yeah, that's my – I just wanted to get your, your sense. I think that's fun for the fans to kind of hear you get under a little pressure and have to answer some goalkeeping preferences. <laughs> Thanks. Well, no problem. Well, thanks for joining us, Hunter. We we appreciate you being here. Yeah, I, I apologize for my awful audio. Hopefully no, no, you'll we'll, have me back and I can sit sit in one place and do it. We, we will Just it'll make it you sound great. Don't worry. Well, Steve, that was that was cool. I mean, he gave a lot of in- Hunter gave a lot of interesting answers. Um, you know, I love the rapid fire there at the end, but yeah. um, just some of his thoughts on like basics and and the way that goalkeepers need to approach the game I thought was super interesting mm-hmm. yeah I, I really appreciate it really uh interesting to hear someone that's both done that as well as tried to develop that and others uh be able to talk to uh what some of the things are that are really important uh, to finding success uh, whether that's at the pro level or just developmentally um how you get there is, is really important and, and, and learning the skills and the techniques and not just being athletic but developing yourself as an athlete 
really cool discussion to have with someone that that's done it and trained others. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one of those things too, is like, it's, it's, um, it's easy to watch like the premier league or Syria or, or any of these leagues around the world. And, you know, you, you watch some of these saves that these guys are making and point blank stuff and, you know, dives across their net and penalty stops and, and all this kind of stuff. And you think, wow, like these are amazing plays, but it's like, you know, I think Hunter's right. It's all the basics that you have to learn to kind of set all that stuff up that it's not right. just like, Oh, you, you can make an amazing play here, here now and all that kind of stuff. Because if you can't do the basics of, of being in the right position and, and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, then you're, you're making it harder on yourself. But you know, it's, it's, it's cool to kind of be, see that that's where he's starting with a lot of players and, and making sure that they're understanding that before they're moving on to the crazy stuff. Yeah. For sure. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about. I mean, not much to talk about. Um, we've got a game against Loudon, who is uh, at the opposite spectrum in our group. So we have clinched a playoff spot, and they have been eliminated from playoff spot at this point. Um, nope. And I mean, we're recording on Thursday afternoon. Uh, they got just torched. What was it? Four zero by. Yep. Uh, Philly, or uh, I don't know if people saw it. I, some people did because we got a little discussion going on the Discord um, that Google still calls it uh, Bethlehem Steel. Yep. Um, if you look at the Google app. Um, <laughs> yep. So your Google results are wrong, but uh, nostalgic, and, and I like that it's still called Bethlehem Steel on there. Um, but yeah, so Philly, Philly 2 uh, took them down 4 0 last night. Um, so I think the most important thing about that is, right, big loss. They're officially eliminated from the playoffs, and they, uh, face us on Saturday where we go there kickoff is at 6:30 on short rest. Yeah, I mean, so lots of we can we'll get into kind of the rest of the groups around the around the league uh in a second, but lots of just the the situation this weekend is to mention uh, obviously our game doesn't have a whole lot to do with it with us with us having clinched and and uh, and Loudon being eliminated, but um, Hartford plays Philadelphia uh, this Saturday also, um, which is a huge game for the group implications. Um, unfortunately, New York Red Bull does not play this weekend and gets to sit and watch everything happen. But um, if Hartford happens to win on Saturday and beat Philadelphia, that will clinch their playoff spot and officially eliminate both Red Bull and Philadelphia. So. Um, kind of a huge game there for Philadelphia. I think it's mm-hmm. it's interesting, you know, Philadelphia. Um, I, th- I, I mean, I think what's interesting is, like, when you're in that position, when your back's kind of against the wall, you know, I mean, Philadelphia is one result from being eliminated from from the playoffs. Um, and it's, it's you know, it, you have nothing to lose. You, you have everything to kind of gain and, and absolutely nothing to lose. So you might as well give everything you have. So I think, I mean, Hartford has a game this weekend. It's not like they can go into Philadelphia or, you know, play Philadelphia. I'm not sure where that game is, but it's not like they can play Philadelphia and be like, oh, we can go in and easily win this game. It's like you have a team who has everything to gain and nothing to lose. So that can change the way you play when that happens. Um, Unfortunately for Red Bull, they get to sit and watch things happen. And and if Hartford gets the win, then then they're going to be eliminated as well. So, um, it our group could be kind of figured out other than us two and and that would that would potentially with a Hartford midweek result as well kind of set up a uh big set up a, a big game um next Saturday um with with Hartford but um so I want to interject something uh with that right like so you and I have mentioned this it's come up on like the the main podcast show a few times recently right like like the Hartford Pittsburgh conversation has been something we've talked about a lot uh, on Mongols uh, in our various different shows um uh, but what's really interesting is Philly could really be the spoilers because Hartford has a bunch of games in there right but of Philly's next four games three of them are against Hartford yeah Right, like that's just insane, right? Like, so if they were to win those games, like that changes the dynamics of this group massively. Um, uh, I mean, it doesn't put Philly necessarily right there where they're like 
catching up just yet, but it puts them a little more in contention. And if that starts sucking the life out of Hartford, if Hartford doesn't win games, right? Like, like that's what it gives Philly the opportunity to do to catch them. Um, I mean, they still got to basically almost win out. I think uh, they do. I'm looking at the numbers, right? Like they have to, they have to get wins in every single game, which is a huge challenge. Um, but it's just interesting, right? Like, yeah, they've got to go for broke and they've got three opportunities over the next uh, couple weeks uh, till the end of the month to do that against Hartford with New York thrown in there. So, um, you know, it's just, it's really, really a weird situation for Philly to like, it's right there, but it's not within their control either, right? Like they could beat Hartford in all three of those games and it might not matter because if Hartford wins a couple more games elsewhere, sorry, Philly, yeah. you did your best and, and you're still... Oh. sitting on the outside looking in um I, I just find that fascinating though that that they've still got they've got three out of their next four games against the team they're trying to catch yeah I mean what it can do is set up New York to have a chance to get in and I it, like that's just like that's just the other thing this is just it, it creates all these dynamics for New York too so I mean what's interesting about this season is like a lot of most you know most of the time when you play in a group play format you play in a way that you, um, yeah, you play in a way that you maybe play two games against each other team, you know, and, and this, this season we're playing three, three to four games, depending on the team. And, and then we're playing like a couple games outside of the group too, which usually you don't have that in this group mm-hmm. setting. So it's just like, it's a very interesting sort of setup. It's, it's more like on an, on an individual basis, it's more like looking at the hex. Um, you know, in, in yeah. World Cup qualifying, you know, where you're playing, you know, you're playing seven other teams and you're playing them both twice. You know, you have all these options of what could happen over the next few games. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, there's not much to say about the game this weekend. I mean, we've we've taken care of Loudon um, every time we've played them, um, you know, and, and some of those games were not our best performances and and we were still able to kind of come out with a win. So I don't, I don't see this being a difficult game this weekend. Although, yeah, I mean, it's hard with Loudon because they don't have anything to play for. um, And they also have nothing to lose, but it's like, they don't have anything to play for. Where Philly, I think it's a little bit more dangerous because they have something to play for and nothing to lose. I'll I'll interject as a team. Loudon have nothing to play for. Uh, Players definitively. Yep. You're right. Right. Like, like, I mean, they are an MLS two team, but I don't think that changes anything. Right. Like, I don't think the expectations for Loudon were high this year. I don't yeah. think the expectations for Philly were super high. Right. But yep. um, like, am I worried? No, not at all. Do I think that there's the possibility that somebody like really pushes themselves and does something spectacular and our uh, uh, clean sheet streak comes to an end? You know, I, I could see that being something that is a possibility. I'm not willing to, like, commit to that, right? But um, but I think, like, now you're starting to see these teams get to a point where it's like, uh, what can I do to differentiate myself from the other guys that are around me? Because we're not in a position where we're going to be able to have the opportunity into the playoffs, right? We're, we're, we're not playing for points. We're playing for time. We're playing for development. How can I show off? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's kind of what I'm, I'm watching for with especially Loud and Philly in New York at this point. Um, it's just, yeah, we can go, we can, we can talk all about it. We can say New York and Philly both have a chance, but at the end of the day, right? Like I, I just don't see it happening for either of those teams. I mean, I mean, here's the deal. Are we going to drop three against, against Philly? I don't think so. Hartford needs Hartford needs three points right to their playoff spot. Right. I mean, like they need three points over the five right. games. So right. it's not likely that they're gonna like go on this tailspin where they exactly. only get two points in the next five games. Um, and that would that would also be that Red Bulls gets every single one of their points. Right. So it's not like, yeah. I mean, it's it's a situation where we kind of know what's gonna happen, but it's just gotta happen at some point in time. Yeah. So yeah. if Hartford it, it, wins, it's the how rather than the what. Yeah. Exactly. Point, exactly. Right. So we can. How many we points can, does Hartford get? Yeah, exactly. So we'll we'll see what happens this weekend, but um, Hartford could clinch and make it a two-way race between between us two teams um, over the next couple of weeks um, to do that. Well, let's take a quick. I mean, let's just. I guess let's just take a quick look around the league, kind of see where the Hounds are set up. So, um, Group E, which is the group that we kind of are paired with in the playoffs, 
Uh, Louisville is leading that group um, in in is is pretty close to clinching their playoff spot. I mean, not they're uh, they're a point or two away from clinching their playoff spot, so they're close um, to to getting there. They do have a lot of um, kind of. I mean, they have. There's a lot of mixing in that game, uh, that group. Um, yeah. St. Louis and Swope play on Saturday. Uh, Louisville plays Memphis, so they should get a win there. And I think with mm-hmm. that win, they'll clinch their playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Louis uh, or Swope could be eliminated this weekend, uh, or could be within one point of being eliminated this weekend. They're not. They won't be officially. Li- so nothing's really going to be decided in that group this weekend. We'll we'll kind of see what happens um, as as that weekend falls unless Swope would beat St. Louis, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, so that's kind of it. That's there. No, there's not much to talk about within that group. I mean, they're, they're all close and, and they're all kind of fighting for positions. So um, big, yeah, big, mean, big win for Louisville last night, beating, right. beating Indy. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what I'm watching for with that group is right. You said uh, St. Louis plays Swope or Sporting KC. I guess they are now. I don't, I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, that's right. Whatever they are. Right. Um, uh a win for St. Louis puts them one point behind Indy 11 uh, with two head-to-head matchups uh, out of the next three games, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that group is far from decided of who's going to make the playoffs. Um, uh, I mean, I think Mike retweeted a USL uh, tweet after the win last night. It was basically like late season Louisville, right? And my immediate thought was and are we seeing late season indie yep yeah are they as good as they think they are or are they gonna like peter out and like they've got two playoff implication games against a team that is ready to leapfrog them what are we gonna see from them yeah and that's that's what i think is or are they gonna fold at the last minute and not make the playoffs because it's they've got to be top two right like yep they plummeted at the end of the season last year and just barely stayed in a home match so that's what I think is interesting. Like, it's almost like we're either going to in the first, like if we end up first in our group, which, you know, we, we can, we'll talk about that later, but <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. Um, if we finish first in our group, um, like we, uh, it's like, we're either going to see an informed St. Louis team, a team, a St. Louis team that's kind of made a run, you know, towards the end of the season, or we're going to see a so, so kind of sliding indie. you know, it's like, right. You know, or we could see an inform Indy, I guess, if they would kind of recover their form against St. Mm-hmm. Louis. But if St. Louis is able to take two from Indy and, and kind of leapfrog them and kind of cement their spot in the playoffs, like we're going to see a very informed St. Louis team, mm-hmm. um, you know, a team that is already tied us this season. And, and it, it could be an interesting game or we're going to get Indy, which I'm not sure that Indy is the same team that we've that we saw towards the beginning of the season. You know, I think that there's just a different level there. And I think we we might see a sliding indie. So I, either of those situations is kind of up in the air for me. I am I am sort of glad that Louisville has gone on a run now and we're not going to get them in the first round of the playoffs. Um, but if if both teams win their first round games, we'll see them in the second round. So it's And we can talk about that in the future. Um, we'll talk about that I, I, in a long time I, in the future. Yeah, I, I also want to note, right, like you look at both Indy and St. Louis currently over the past five games and you're talking five games ago, each of them won. Uh, and then three and four games go. Indy lost both of those games. Uh, St. Louis tied both of those games, right? Another win for each team and then a loss. So you've got six points for Indy out of their past five games. You've got eight points for St. Louis out of their past five games, right? They're not that far off no. in that sense. Um, and, and their most recent game for each of those teams was losing to Louisville, the team yep. that's establishing themselves as the strong one in that group. So if you take that out of, out of it, right, like, there's not that much difference, right? They're, yeah, like, okay, you're both getting beat by Louisville. Good good for you, right? Like, that's expected at this point in the season. Um, uh, I think the USL expects that. I think we kind of expect to see Louisville getting stronger. They're like the hounds in that sense, right? Like, as the season goes on, they get better. Um, we've seen that the past few seasons from both the hounds and Louisville. So I, I have no reason to not see this as the real deal of what Louisville actually is versus the team that we played for the first game after the restart, our first game. Yep. Um, they're going to be a much more challenging team whenever we hopefully have the opportunity to face them. Uh, Indian St. Louis, not quite as strong as them. Yep. Um, uh, looking kind of uh, at the other two groups, uh, Group G is far from decided as far as basically who 
is first place. Uh, I think the two playoff teams in Birmingham and Charlotte are probably pretty well cemented at this mm-hmm. point. Um, they're pretty close to both clinching. Um, they have, yeah, so that'll be that'll be interesting. It's good to see Nico Brett succeeding. It's good to see Hugh Roberts succeeding. I like both of those teams. I'm mm-hmm. glad they're doing well. Um, Memphis, obviously, in a little bit of tailspin, firing their coach with with four games left in a 16-game season. Not sure why, but um, they they are playing Louisville on Saturday and will be eliminated with loss or a draw, um, or if Charlotte wins their game against North Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. Either way, they uh, Memphis will be eliminated from the playoffs. North Carolina will be kind of on the brink at that point if they lose to Charlotte. Um, mm-hmm. Birmingham is the one that gets to sit around and watch games this weekend. Yeah. Um, and then in so I I want to say one thing that I find interesting about that group. Yeah. Right. So you've got uh, a four point difference between Birmingham and Charlotte. Um, Charlotte's four points behind, but they've also got two games in hand. Yep. And those teams don't play each other. Yep. Um, yep. That's really interesting. So it it's not like there's a head to head matchup that could be the decider. It is go out and win Birmingham, and even if you do, Charlotte could still catch and pass you. Yep. Um. So Birmingham, their fate is out of their hands for first or second. Although, I mean, they're kind of at the spot where, I mean, it's real hard for North Carolina to catch them. They have to lose out. North Carolina has to win out. I just don't see that happening. But, yeah, an interesting no top two team matchup uh, in those those last few games in that group. Yeah, and Charlotte – even with the draw, they kind of have a they they have a game. They have a game Great. that they could draw and they could end up. Yep. Then it becomes goal differential and all that kind of stuff. So, so they've got to score a ton of goals. They got to score a ton. Of, they got to score a ton of goals. You're right. <laughs> You're right. Uh, Group H: Tampa Bay clinched their spot last night with a win. Mm-hmm. Um, Charleston can clinch their spot with a win on yep. Saturday against Miami or a draw. It doesn't matter. Either yep. way, they're gonna they're in. Um, so uh, that's pretty well. Uh, in hand, but uh, same thing there. Charleston has uh, a couple games in hand. Um, not sure they had to have matchups there, but they have a couple games in hand um, and are six points behind. So, yeah, yeah. far from far from um, decided in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, they they play each other in the last game, uh, Charleston and Tampa Bay. Um, so that could be a a meaningful game. Uh, those two games in hand uh, put the teams level on points with fourteen games. Um, they each play another another team, and then they play each other. So if they're level uh, or, or within two points, that game could that could be a meaningful game to see who gets first. Um, I just find it also interesting looking at that. Um, Miami uh, has played uh, fewer games, uh, so they are uh, three games behind Atlanta in terms of games played, uh, with only eleven, um, both on nine points. But because they're abysmal goal differential. They are last in the group, but yet they are not eliminated. And the team in third currently is eliminated. Yep. Um, so it's just like, it, it's a weird quirk of the uh, the COVID season, teams having games postponed and whatnot, that uh, they're not all on equal footing. And so you could be last in your group, but have a chance that another team doesn't have, they don't really have a chance in reality. But. And actually, last, last if we recorded last night, Loudon and the Union too were in the same situation. Loudon was eliminated, mm-hmm. but in but in fourth place and then right. union two was not and in fifth place. So right. it is, it is the way the season works and the way yeah. that COVID has changed this season. Um, quickly going through the West uh, group a uh, is pretty close to being decided. Reno mm-hmm. needs to win or get a result. And then, or yep. Tacoma, Tacoma needs to drop points anywhere. And uh, that group will kind of be decided as far as the playoff teams. Um, group B is Phoenix is running away with the group, but um, LA Galaxy, Orange County, San Diego are all kind of within three points of each other. Um, so there's a lot of a uh, lot of opportunity there for those teams to kind of play around for second place. Mm-hmm. Um, El Paso, New Mexico have clinched in Group C. Now they're playing for uh, they're playing for the top spot. San Antonio has clinched in Group D and clinched first place in their group in Group D. Um, and then Tulsa and Austin are within a point of each other and fighting for second place and also do not have a game against each other. So it is go out and get results for the rest of the season and see where you end up. Yep. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll throw it out there. Um, three of the eight groups have five teams. Our group, uh, Group D and Group B over in the West. Um, 
And both Group B and Group D are interesting groups because there's a lot that could change based on the current standings. Um, yep. I also find it interesting, right? Like, so you look at Group D, uh, you mentioned San Antonio has their spot locked up, uh, but Tulsa and Austin um, uh, both have four games left. Uh, so um, a point apart. Um, yeah, like that, that's interesting, right? Um, uh, and they don't play each other so yep. uh, what does that look like um but then yeah group b i mean uh, you're talking 26 points for phoenix on 12 games uh, uh 21 points for la2 on 12 games 19 points for san diego on 13 games uh and 18 points for orange county on 12 games so i mean it looks like phoenix has the advantage obviously we know that they are a team that can score goals and win games um, but those other three teams are, are kind of all within three points, um, uh, with four or three games left, um, an interesting group to keep an eye on and see who comes out of there. Um, uh, how much does the effort now impact, uh, what happens into the playoffs? Does that tire the teams out that make the playoffs and do they not persist in the playoffs or where does that light a fire under them and, and they end up in going on and, and really, uh, doing well, uh, no idea. I have no idea how to think about that or evaluate that, but just those are the things that I'm wondering about and I'm interested to see what happens over in the West. Yep. Um, last thing I'll say about kind of the playoff standings, Pittsburgh uh, sitting at a maximum amount of 37 points uh, yeah. is the most in the Eastern Conference. Um, and so if, if we can kind of win out, win our last three, uh, we'll finish up as the top seed, kind of the top seed in the Eastern Conference and mm -hmm. have that home playoff advantage, which would be nice. Um, Tampa and Charleston both still have max of 36, so they're close. And then Louisville has a max of 35. So those are kind of the teams we're looking out for as far as home if field I, advantage. If my the, math is right, uh, obviously still have to play them, but Hartford could also, if they win out, yes. end up on 37. So Basically, as long as the team who wins our group does not lose a game from here on out, right. uh, the team that wins our group will be... Uh, or or tie. Yes, or yeah. tie. Um, will be the top seed. Um, in the in the West, uh, Reno still has a max of 40. Um, Sacramento is 37. I think they have games against each other, so those will change depending on who wins those games. El Paso and New Mexico are within a point of each other at 36 and 35. So, and then San Antonio has 39. So still some deciding there as far as the top team out there. Um, and, and if we are hoping to host the final when we get there, just kidding. Um, if, if, if the team in the East wants to host the final, the team in the West, the teams in the West are going to have to lose a couple games for that to happen. So um, we, just looking down the road, kind of seeing what's happening. We're not making any judgments about where Pittsburgh's going to do in the playoffs, but um, just wanted to kind of set up the rest of the season. Obviously, there's a lot of game. There are a lot of games to have happen. You know, Birmingham has only two games left and 14 play, and there's a couple other teams in that situation, Tampa being another one. But uh, there are teams that have 11, 11 games played, so we still have five games on the docket. Um, Tacoma out in the West only has 10 games played. So there are teams with lots of games to play, lots of things to decide yet. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but we'll try to keep you updated. Maybe not this fully every week, but we'll update you next week kind of where things sit, at least in the East. And um, just wanted to set up the playoffs. Yep. Um, and one other note. Uh, so it doesn't look like this is going to happen, but there was conversation of uh, it would be uh, points per game if teams were not able to make up their games. Um, the team with the least games, you just mentioned Tacoma Defiance, uh, they've got all their games currently on the schedule. So yep. uh, unless something happens later where they're not able to make up those games, it looks like we're not going to have to have that conversation anywhere in the USL. Um, everybody's got games scheduled. Hopefully uh, they're able to play those games so that a points per game thing doesn't come in and, and act weird. Not that it would really affect Tacoma. They're so far outside of the playoff picture that it doesn't matter, but um, they're just the team with the least number of games. Actually, I did see. I wonder if they're going to go. I Anyway, I, it's not a big discussion for us. But uh, Tulsa and RGV, Rio Grande Valley, are supposed to play on Saturday. That game has been postponed because of COVID stuff. Um, it Today at about 3 o'clock, right before okay. it's all done. So um, that's when that happened. And um, they, the USL announced that that game will only be rescheduled if 
it impacts the playoff standings. They're not gonna they're not gonna try to reschedule that one now. Um, but if it looks like it's gonna impact the the um, the standings for the playoffs, then they'll play it. If not, they're not gonna play it. So interesting thing there with that with that, and it probably will affect the playoffs. That's the thing. I mean, that team is so close in 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 a race for second place mm-hmm. in that group. So mm-hmm. um, it sounds like they probably will have to reschedule it. But uh, that is like an interesting thing. Um, one other conversation we had on uh, on this week on the on the group was about goal differential, and kind of I think Josh tried to give us homework. Um, and listen, I don't just do things because people tell me to do them. But I, I, w- I want to be clear: you had already put some of this info out there before they talked on Monday, so. Right. Like, like this is not homework for us guys. Come on. Um, uh, we're just really interested in the data aspect of soccer. That's why we do what we do. Right. Right. So the, 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 uh, yeah. So anyway, it was a thing that, that happened on the Monday show. So I did the quick research, nothing very deep at all. Uh, but our, our goal differential right now is 28. Um, and Right? Am I right about that? Yeah. 28. Yeah. Our goal differential is 28. Um, and kind of looking around uh, USL and kind of where that sits, um, our goal differential last year, we actually finished the season with a 28 goal differential. Nashville finished in second place with a 33 goal differential. Um, Phoenix last year, 53 goal differential. Uh, they they could score. They were scoring six goals a game, it felt like. So, um, that's kind of interesting. Uh, since he had a 38 goal differential in 2018, which I think Mike is really hoping that we catch that at least. Um, and other than that, we're all pretty much at that high, high twenties, low thirties mark. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think based on where kind of everything's standing right now, I think we'll probably get there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think we'll, we'll match, uh, that, that Phoenix number. Um, I, think I mean, so. granted, they had a lot more games to do it, but you know, if if we average uh, nine goals to zero over the next three games, it could we would match it. Nine not to nothing. Happen. Right, 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 right. Hey, we only need that nine nothing uh, uh, once, um, uh, and, and then we'll tie it uh, in a much shorter season. But hey, at the end of the day, right? Like, it's kind of amazing that we're already with three games to go, 13 games played, we're at the same goal differential as what we were. Yeah, for sure. 34 games last season. For sure. That's astounding that we've been able to, and we talk about it, you find USL people, fans, whoever talking about it. We've got a group that is not necessarily as challenging, um, but you still got to score the goals, right? You still got to put the shots on target. You still got to beat the keeper. Um, We're doing that. Um, yep, and we're putting and we're keeping other teams off the board. I mean, that's the other exactly. Thing you can't just score and and right. have a right. big goal differential. Right. I mean, um, one just kind of interesting factoid within that 2016. I don't think there was a team in the entire USL with a 20 plus goal differential. I think everybody. I think the biggest goal differential was in the high teens. Um, so I think that was that was pretty interesting. Kind of looking at that. Um, other, you know, it's it's a thing. I mean, I think. The Hounds Hounds have done what they need to do this year. They are scoring goals and they're keeping teams off the board. So um, it is what it is. We're at a 34% conversion rate. Um, you know, it's it's the Hounds are having a really good season. And um, you just have to kind of appreciate where we are and what we're yep. doing right now. Um, and then hope that we can do it in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, it's it, it's fun to see. Uh, hey, we're, we're going to the playoffs. We're going to talk more about that in the next few weeks so yes we are i think we're good to go justin i yeah we gave listen we gave all the stats this week if people yeah. people are going to be statted we're going to have to talk about our feelings next week or something because <laughs> we gave all the stats uh thanks to thanks to hunter again for joining us absolutely uh, it's great to have him kind of jumping in on this week's episode um and like i said at the beginning we're sponsored by roughneck scarves they do a great job um Icarus FC also does a great job. Part of the Beautiful Game Network. We love our network and love kind of communicating with all the teams, uh, all the podcasts and, and all the, the groups that do things uh, in on on the Beautiful Game Network. We appreciate all of them um, and appreciate uh, 
everything that they're doing for us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, we'd love to hear from you, kind of what you want to hear about at Mongols. Uh, you know where to find us. You find us all the time on Twitter and stuff. Uh, hey, join our Patreon. Uh, it's become it's become interesting in the last few weeks. I think you know uh, if you if you're on Patreon, you know Mike's Mike's trying to pick a Premier League team, and I, I guess has made his decision. So uh, you're gonna have to tune in Monday uh, to the Patreon show. It's a dollar a month uh, to join that, but dollar a month to to find out what what Premier League team Mike is going to support for the rest of his. And I'll say this uh, in our Mongols Slack. Uh, the majority of us did our best to try to gain an ally with Mike uh, and all failed miserably. All, all I will say is uh, he was pretty adamant that he wanted to add diversity to the list and not uh, not just be a fan of what somebody else is. So I'm looking forward to, to who he ultimately picks. I think I've got a good inkling. Uh, he's been trying to tease it, but um, maybe he's just throwing us curveballs. <laughs> we, we all tried he's trolling to- us, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> We all tried to gain an ally, except for me, because I don't even know if I want to support the team I'm supporting anymore. So. <laughs> well, and we know he doesn't want to be a Tottenham fan, so. <laughs> you know. His, his dislike for Jose Mourinho was very clear. We're, we're getting Gareth Bell back, but I'm not sure that's going to be enough, so. Highest Premier League player next season, or this season, is what it says. Yeah, so. yeah. Yep. All right, so uh, we'll, all right. we'll get out of here, let's go, but I hope everybody has a great week. We'll talk to you after uh, the Hounds inevitably beat Loudon on Saturday. Oh yeah, let's go. I'll see you, Justin.